What does it look like to live life fully on this side of heaven? Liz and I invite you to coffee each week as we find encouragement in God's word, cultivate gratitude in a discontent culture, and embrace the abundant life that Christ came to give. This podcast is for you if you're ready for pop culture chats and deep conversations at the Waffle House. If you know, you know. This kind of podcast will make you laugh, maybe cry, think deeply, and definitely give you encouragement to live fully in Christ. So welcome to the Abundantly Podcast. Let's jump right in into our segments for the week. So Emily, let's start off by uh, talking about what's the tea lately? Is there any random, interesting, trending thing going on with pop culture news that you heard about this week? Yeah, so Taylor Swift was in Kansas City, which is about two hours from my house. And in Midwest, that's like, oh my gosh, she's so close. (laughs) And so um, I'm not dedicated enough to have gotten tickets. But um, my friends and I had an era's watch party from home and like watched live streams on TikTok. That's awesome. And um, we watched night two in Kansas City, but night one is like what I've been seeing like faith stuff and then Taylor Lautner and Taylor Swift on my Instagram all week long because he came with his wife to the concert and they premiered her brand new visit like music video together and he is the world's favorite ex of hers. And so it's just been, like, really wholesome and sweet to, like, look at their friendship. Yeah, I literally, okay, thank you for giving context to that because I've been seeing that on Instagram as well. All yes. And <laughs> I, I literally saw a video this morning and I was like, I love how extra the fans are because mm-hmm. I feel like Speak Now was, like, my peak, like, fandom when it came to Taylor Swift and then after that I didn't really keep up I don't know a lot of her new music um other than maybe like I think the album is called Reputation or 1989 oh no those those are two separate ones yes (laughs) anyways I kind of know like the big hit singles from each of those but yeah so I was just like what is going on and so yeah I literally saw a reel this morning where someone put a clip from that movie that they were in together Yes, Valentine's Day. This is Uh is so healing. And then they like show a clip of their hug in the movie and then a hug in real life on the stage. And I was just laughing so much. So it's really precious. Yeah. All Taylor's gathered together because his wife is also named Taylor. Yeah, they did like a, did you see the picture of they did the Spider-Man meme? Yes, I saw that. Yeah. (laughs) I just like... I don't know anything about Taylor Lautner and his wife other than what I've seen in the last two weeks, but I love that, like, his wife just, like, went with and that it was just, like, a fun time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's very rare, and if if Taylor Swift was my husband's ex, I'd have feelings about that, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, if people are secretly wishing. I don't know. It seems like most, like you said, I feel like most people are very supportive of, like, Taylor Lautner being married to a different Taylor other than Taylor Swift. Anyways. Yeah, I think I think they're able they ended on such terms and like 
they're just able to like be friends after which i love yeah um they do have a podcast actually taylor lautner and his wife yeah they have a podcast so that's how i recently heard about his wife so anyways that's cool yeah um i think for me what i have been seeing on my feed lately is a lot of reboots going on i don't know if you've heard about this drama i feel like (laughs) maybe only people that are like huge into youtube know about this Um. um but apparently that nickelodeon show ned's declassified i that was after i think when i was a preteen i was probably already I was probably already in high school, so I never got into that show. I don't even know what it's fully called, but apparently fans were freaking out because they, like the cast, really were fighting for a reboot. And then, just like in the past couple weeks, there was a Zoe 101 movie, like Mm -hmm. reboot, that apparently is going to be on Paramount or something. Yeah. So that's the tea that I've been hearing about. And. So they're, like, mad that Zoe 101 got it, and they didn't? Yes. Ah, okay. Yes. Which, I don't know. Well, Zoe 101 was obviously better, so. (laughs) Yeah, I do think the show was better. I actually did watch that show. Yes. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, I'm only a few years older than you, but, so maybe only, like, older millennials, maybe younger millennials would know this, but. Yeah. Zoe 101 abruptly ended it was really popular, but then Jamie Lynn Spears in real life, she was only like 16 or something. She got pregnant. <gasps> and so, anyways, it's wild. So That is some tea. I did not know that. Yep. So that show ended abruptly. It was really sad. And then she kind of like, I mean, I don't remember where the Spears family is from. I was also young enough when I watched that show that I didn't know that she was a Spears. <laughs> Yep, that's I like I mean. didn't know that until the last few weeks too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, at one point in my life, I was like very into pop culture. Where you know, back in the day when you'd go to the grocery store with your parents and oh, then you'd, yeah. like, look through all the magazines yes. like, before you check out. So uh-huh. that's where I got all the tea back in the day. So totally. I'm actually excited. I'll let you all know. I hope it's good. I don't know if it will be good. It looks a bit cheesy, but. I'm so excited to, to watch it. The show probably was, though, too. We just don't remember it like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, speaking of TV shows, movies, all that good stuff, what was the last either TV scene or movie scene that you watched that made you laugh or cry? Okay. So, I haven't cried recently like much I would say like in the last six months or something like that we've just been watching a lot of silly tv which I love um but we went and watched Sound of Freedom on Sunday which is a movie about um the sex trafficking going on um and how the U.S. is the number one child porn demand in the world um It's happening everywhere, but the United States is where it's being demanded the most. And so the movie is inspired on a on a real story, real children. Um, And uh, Jim Ballard, I believe is his name, um, worked for Homeland Security and they told him to, like, give up. And instead he quit his job and went to save 
um, the rest of the kids that he like came upon during this one case. And so, um, since then he's just been like continuing to rescue children. And so I teared up throughout like the whole movie, but when you get to the very end and they did it very tastefully in the sense that like you knew exactly what was happening and your heart was broken and your stomach was upset. <laughs> At least mine was the whole time. But like you also didn't have to watch anything graphic. Um, but you watch that whole movie and then you get to the end because the movie is like set in Colombia. And then you get to the end and it says the United States is the number one reason why this is happening. Um, because of the child porn demand. Um, and I just weeped. Um, on a lighter note, lately I've been rewatching Modern Family and Cameron on that show, his like screaming comedy gets me every single time. Like every single time that man screams, I laugh. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and it's like so good for my heart. Eric Stone Street and I, um, you know, we have a bunch in common. He lives in Kansas City too. Taylor Swift doesn't live in Kansas City, but you know, he lives super close. Is he really? And um he loves K State, which is where I graduated from. So Aww. so I love his character and I love that he loves the same place I do. Yes. I always find it kind of funny how it takes place in California, but then they Mm -hmm. do some episodes where it's like, here's what, you know, obviously there are, the show is pretty much like a parody, you know, it's making fun of all the stereotypes. Yes. Um, But it's funny to see when they, they film some of the episodes, you know, supposedly in like rural places and just to see like the contrast (laughs) is just hilarious because now that I live (sighs) in Kentucky, I'm like, well, one, the show is very extra, but some things, some things are just pretty accurate. So I just think it's it's totally, so totally. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of how I feel about like, I'm not from Louisville, but I recently Uh saw an interview with Jennifer Lawrence and when she started talking about Louisville it was like I had this like huge sense of pride like yes you are you are talking about Louisville in such a positive way did we just become best friends yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) so I don't know I like felt such a sense of pride and I'm not even from here Mm -hmm. so of course like when a celebrity you know is from your hometown you're like oh that's so sweet I know normal people (laughs) he like comes back and like hangs out and comes to football games and stuff and still really like supports the university. So so I love when celebrities like use their fame for good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a wild show. What have you been watching? (laughs) Um, This is going to sound so silly, but I don't know what it is lately, but I just have been really nostalgic like, mm-hmm. I've been getting really sentimental about stuff. It's probably because I'm getting older. My mm-hmm. parents are getting older. And there's mm-hmm. just been a lot of moments where I'm like, I just kind of miss being a kid. A lot of change. Yeah. Yeah. So, honestly, what I've been 
re-watching these days that is making me laugh a lot is the Lizzie McGuire show. I started watching it on Disney Plus and I think once I get through all the seasons, I'll probably watch Hannah Montana next because it was just peak childhood right there. Lizzie McGuire, oh, Lizzie McGuire it. movie. I remember watching it in theaters. Oh, I and love it was that. the best. So I think that's wonderful. Zach and I rewatched Hannah Montana um a few years ago and I didn't watch the last episode because I didn't want to get emotional. <laughs> so, That's honestly so valid. So like I watched the, the whole era. series, but then I was just like, you know what? Like we don't have to watch this. Like yeah, cuz it's there's so many memories get unlocked when you watch a show that you watched in childhood or a movie or fill in the blank because yeah, you just have those memories stored up and then like it brings so much up. And it's just really fun because it's also just kids TV and you can yes. just go to a different world for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it's just so wholesome. Like Disney mm-hmm. Channel like 15 years ago. Yeah. It was just very like silly. It peaked. Yeah. It really peaked. So. <laughs> So, I love that. Oh, wow. I'm feeling extra nostalgic now. (laughs) (laughs) On this Friday morning. (laughs) Well, as we begin the series, So Much Greater, based off of John 10.10, we'd like to explain why we're starting this topic, why we're starting with this topic in particular. Because I think it's important for listeners to know what an abundant life is and what it isn't. And so, Emily, can Mm -hmm. you give us a little overview of why it's called so much greater and what is it going to be all about yeah so recently I read something um that made me just think about John 10 10 in a completely um different way um it's the verse that is the foundation of the podcast and so it's one that I've studied so much right and like with the shepherd is born out of john 10 and so it's really it's a huge blessing to me when i can read something about john 10 that's just from a different like worldview than mine a different um richer context than maybe i've studied in recent moments because um because it has become so familiar and dear to me and what this guy was saying, and if I find it, I will share it with us, but I, I think it was like an Instagram video or something, which can be not fun because then it's hard to like find again. But um, they were saying that Christ is the direct opposite and so much greater than each of the devil's attributes in John 10 10. So I'll read it again for us. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And the verse itself contrasts the two. Um, You know, Christ came to give us life and give it abundantly. But to think specifically through, he does not steal, he actually gives. He actually... um, redeems you know instead of killing he actually rescues us from death instead of destroying he actually restores our souls and so I want to look at how Jesus revives redeems and restores and how we can 
just in a renewed way, whether for the first time or you just need a reminder to understand that like walking with the Lord is not, it's not like, oh, hell's one option. And then this one is just like, well, this is better than the alternative. This is like, you know, it's still terrible, but it's still like, I think we can think about because there is the cost of discipleship. I think we can think about it in ways of like the Lord tolerates us or um, we, we see our sin magnified instead of seeing his grace and like power on display. And so really thinking through and like, um, and believing that that he came to give life and give it abundantly. And um, I was reading a story this week about um, when when Jesus calls Nathaniel to be a disciple, Nathaniel is marveled at the idea that Jesus knew him, knew his name, and like came to find him to ask him to be a disciple. And um, and Jesus says, "Are you like?" I don't have it right in front of me, um, but basically says you will see things so much greater than this mm-hmm. um, along those lines. And so I think that we ought to have awe when it comes to the Lord saving us and rescuing us from hell. But also, let's take that gratitude and focus our eyes on how he is so much greater than we can imagine. Yeah. And I love how I'm really excited to really dive deep into this topic because like what you're saying is having faith in Christ isn't just about, okay, we're going to live this life however many years on this earth and it's going to be awful and I'm just going to wait until I get to heaven to get Mm -hmm. the fullness of God. And so I think it's really important for us to talk about, okay, how do we, how do we live out that truth in the here Mm -hmm. and now? And so I think oftentimes it's easy to kind of swing like on a pendulum from one extreme to the other. Totally. And so, you know, like, for example, just one example that I can think of off the top of my head is like in college, there were a lot of moments where I was, um, I was taking Bible classes and I just remember thinking like, okay, why are we talking so in depth about Mm -hmm. like end times eschatology? And I just remember thinking like, it was a very, a very immature way of thinking where I just remember saying like, eh, it doesn't even matter. Like Mm. as long as we get to heaven, that's fine. You know, like, and it was just very like a very shallow faith. So I just would love to hear like where do we where do we read these truths in scripture and mm-hmm. what does that mean and what are the implications that we can learn from in this from this principle of Jesus redeeming restoring giving yeah life? yeah i think that um there's a really dangerous mindset of like oh i'm just praying that Jesus comes back and i it is not a bad thing to want Jesus to come back and to like mm-hmm. redeem all of the evil that's happening. But that's not a cop out for us. 
like I, I hear it as a cop-out for the Christian of like, I don't want to engage with the culture because, because it's so hard and because it is so dark. And so I think that like, Jesus coming back should give us hope and motivation. <laughs> it shouldn't give us a bench, you know. Um, so the first thing that I was reminded of as we look at Christ giving life is the reminder that he is um, fully man, but he's fully God. And he is um, a part of the Holy Trinity. He is distinct in a unified person in the Trinity. He was with the Father at creation. Um, I think it mystifies us a lot, and so it's hard to think about, but I don't want a God that I can fully comprehend. Um, I think it's always good to challenge ourselves in these things, and so in Him, we know from scripture that all things were created and are presently held together. Hebrews 1.3 says he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And John 1.1 says that, let me just turn there so that I don't So I don't miss a thing. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So I think that as I reflect on Jesus creating and sustaining all things, the universe is held together by him. I feel a swell of like trust in him that he not only um, came to like, like he was sent on this earthly mission, but his heart has been like for us from the very beginning of time and he will be with us to the end of the age. So how does, how does that land for you? How does the reminder that Jesus was with the father at creation increase your trust in him? What it, I think what it stirs in my own heart and in my own life is great comfort Mm -hmm. knowing that Jesus, Jesus gives us life through his life, death and resurrection it's a reminder for me that Christ didn't just come to make my life better. He actually is life himself. And I think oftentimes, especially in Western culture, being an American, oftentimes, um, I don't want to get on this rant, but I will say (laughs) I recently, as I've been researching different websites for the ministry that I work for, that's our big project of the year is redesigning the website. And I happened to, I was just looking at different churches, trying to get ideas, yeah, try to learn from people that do it really well. And I stumbled upon a church where their slogan was, we were made for adventure. Mm. And I literally was mm. like, hold up. hold up I don't think this is it (laughs) so um yeah 
Anyways, I, I don't know anything about that church, so maybe they are hopefully a gospel-centered church that is really thriving, and that's hopefully preaching the gospel, staying true to the Bible. But um, I think it's really important to be careful that we never, we never represent or communicate that Christianity is some sort of self-help, you know, it's going to give me tips. It's not a DIY. I'm not going to do it myself. There's no way I can save myself. Mm -hmm. And so I'm reminded that the prosperity gospel promises wealth, health, and happiness. Mm -hmm. But that is not guaranteed. Truly, the abundant life in Christ does not mean we're going to say it over and over. We're probably going to sound like broken record players for those that listen week after week. Mm -hmm. But being a Christian doesn't automatically promise or guarantee that I will have comfort in material possessions. Yeah. But I do have comfort in Christ. Yeah. Knowing that, like you said, he sustains us. He Mm -hmm. saves us and he sustains us. And he is the very one that gives us life. And so I wanted to mention that because. And we don't have to, we don't have to like be so desperate to like find a life for ourselves. Because I think, like, that's what the prosperity gospel is doing. Like, I have to, like, make this name for myself. I have to, like, have this certain house. And I have to, like, and fill in the blank. So many people use different things. It could even be your relationships that you idolize your family over over the Lord's family. Like, there's so many different things. Um, and the good news is, like, we don't have to do that. Like, he gives us life, and he also gives it abundantly. Like, we don't have to strive for that by ourselves. Yeah, and I just, I think I have been so encouraged in the past week. Well, really encouraged, but also convicted. Like, mm-hmm. I think as I was reading over the questions and prepping for this episode, I just in my heart was like, wow, am I living this way? Mm. Or am I living wanting to seek worldly riches? And so like in John 6, I mean, it's amazing how how the Lord's disciples literally asked, Lord, to whom shall we go? Mm. Who has the words of eternal life? And so it's just a reminder for me that oftentimes on social media, just media in general. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know if you, if this resonates with you, Emily, but I just lately have seen so many, so much content, all these messages that I'm consuming day after day as I'm scrolling, as I'm even working uh, in, you know, um, communications and digital medias is these messages of, how to quit your dream, uh, how to quit your day job and have your dream job, how to make passive income. And it's always like how I quit my job and made six (laughs) figures in one year or thousands of dollars in one month or, and I'm not, I'm not knocking those that want to be entrepreneurs and want to be successful because literally we have a podcast, like technically that is some form of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, But what I'm saying is, I think it's important to remember what scripture says. Mm -hmm. And so, like I mentioned, John six, where, you know, these people are literally saying, Jesus, who, who are we going to go to? Only you Mm -hmm. have the words of eternal life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a reminder for me. Am I actually living that way? Because oftentimes I may say Mm -hmm. that I may think that, 
but my actions say otherwise because I'm actually oftentimes I tend to worry about how much money I'm making mm-hmm. is that enough mm-hmm. how many vacations will I go on will I be able to travel um, a lot of you know I think a lot of I know I keep saying that with like millennials but I think even Gen Z like there's a lot of studies that are done about how like it is becoming more and more rare for younger generations to actually have careers <laughs> compared to previous generations where most people worked like in the same place for 20 plus years there's mm-hmm. good and bad that comes with that mm-hmm. but i just think we live in a really discontent culture where mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. easy to want to quit your job after six months because you're like why don't i feel happy i'm not making yeah. enough. i need to have a bigger house i need to have better cars i need to have a cool job mm-hmm. you know so yeah, I just wanted to read off this list real quick, um, and we'll put them in the show notes so people can actually take time to read and reflect. But um, I just think about Colossians 3, 1, where it says, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, Mm-hmm. appears then you will also appear with him in glory and then you know john Woo! one says in him was life and that life was the light of men john six says jesus is the bread of life he said the true bread of god is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world john 14 says he is the way the truth and the life psalm 16 says i have no good thing apart from you you reveal the path of life to me in your presence is abundant joy at your right hand are eternal pleasures. John 3.16 says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his only, one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And 1 Corinthians 15 says, For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. So I just want to reiterate mm-hmm. to anyone listening to this episode that Christ is the abundant life. He <clears throat> himself like it's not just what christ can offer to us but it's his very being that gives us life Mm -hmm. so what are your what are your thoughts on that about the abundant life about jesus giving us life oh my goodness as you read for you who died for you died and your life is hidden with christ in god when christ who is your life appears i think The fact that my life is hidden with Christ gives me so much comfort and freedom to obey him and not be stressed about how impressive my life is. Um, I opened the fridge the other day and like (laughs) felt shame because my fridge wasn't pretty. (laughs) And like, that's just too much pressure. You know, last night, um, You know, from the outside looking in, like, right now, quote-unquote, I'm doing it all or whatever, but I had to fold laundry until 1.30 in the morning because, like, my day was so full. And so I think that, like, the fact that my life is hidden with Christ means that, like, (laughs) I can take... I can take my attention off of, like, what doesn't matter and I can obey him and I can just, like, enjoy intimacy with him and do the thing that he's called me to do the next day and the next day and the next day Mm -hmm. and 
And then when Christ appears in glory, I will know that like he was my life all along. And so that's that's more of what you were saying, but I think it's really easy for me um as the abundantly girl <laughs> um to to fight the lie. This last week I wrote a letter to myself. Um I was I was at Starbucks and I was like fighting the lie and I was like what is keeping me from living fully with Christ right now? One was I want to make more money, which is really crazy because it's like I'm making more money right now than I ever have in my life. But the more money I make, the more money I want to make. It is just increasing. I think I was more content when we were broke than I am today um, because it's just like, I just want more. Um, And then the other one was just like, I was just buying the lie that like, because I don't have fill in the blank, like I have to wait until that moment. And so even when you know the, the truth that we aren't guaranteed the things that, like, the American dream is guaranteeing right now. Like, um, it doesn't make you a bad Christian. <laughs> it doesn't make you a bad steward of your money. It doesn't make you, um, it doesn't mean people don't want to come over to your house because your fridge is ugly. They don't care. <laughs> um, and we are just, like, putting way too much pressure on ourselves to, like, I mean, gosh, I I know that everyone's had trouble for years, but I don't think my mom cared about what her fridge looked like 20 years ago. <laughs> like, there's just a lot of pressure for things to look good, and I would rather my life be good. Um, and I think thinking about Colossians 1 and just imagining Christ coming back just motivates me to live a hidden life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I like, I was not planning on saying this. I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. But I just feel like what you said is so, so, so timely because I Mm -hmm. think like there are so many people. Mm -hmm. I was reading this book I think it's literally just called Gen Z. And it was just a st- like all these studies, all all these stats on the increasing rates of suicide and depression. Mm-hmm. And I think every generation, just mm-hmm. like the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, nothing is new under the sun. Mm-hmm. So because we live in a fallen world and we deal with the consequences of sin and brokenness, there is pain, there is suffering there is this dissatisfaction. Like you said, like it's never enough. Mm-hmm. It's this hamster wheel of, mm-hmm. you know, this vicious cycle of feeling like we, no matter what we get, even when we get that next thing, it's still not enough. Mm-hmm. And I think this is such a timely message for those that are struggling, mm-hmm. who feel like, why do I feel so empty? What is this void? Because I've tried all these things and I still, I don't feel, Yeah. Like it's enough. Yeah. And I think, and what we're saying is not a message of, well, you are enough. Nope. No, we're not. (laughs) No, we are not. Mm -hmm. But Christ is our life. Mm -hmm. So even if you have 
a 401k or you are an entrepreneur, a freelancer, so you don't even have insurance, like through a typical corporate, you know, whatever, like even if you're- Or if you're making passive income that's making you thousands of dollars. (laughs) Yeah, whether you are wealthy or whether, like you said, whether your home is- this like picture perfect like feed on instagram that's super aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. which in my opinion side note all the neutrals i like bright colors so neutral, <laughs> i'm over the neutral so i don't even care <laughs> i saw a meme i saw a meme that literally said somebody go check in on millennials kids because all their bedrooms <laughs> are the same color it's all beige it's all i beige. can't i can't deal with the brown baby clothes no, I'm like, I'm sorry. Color. I love neutral colors, but like your child is six months old. <laughs> yes, you're exactly. But I think our culture, we get so consumed with clothes, with trends, mm-hmm. with our, you know, and I just, it's a reality check for me because it's so easy to oftentimes compare to individuals that are influencers, but influencers are normal people just like us. Yeah. And I think it's a very dangerous thing when Christians, when we're starting to envy others that don't have hope in Christ because mm-hmm. we've already been given life. Yeah. And I think we it just shows life. us like what we're idolizing, right? Because like all of these things, like you can have an aesthetic home and I really want a beautiful home, but I think if it creates, excuse me, if it's creating like this rich not rich, this, like, deep shame in us, then we are, like, elevating it to a level of, like, we see people with whatever it is that we want. Do we want, um, do we want to be a stay-at-home mom and we can't yet because of finances or the opposite? Maybe (laughs) it's, like, we want to be working. Like, whatever it is, it's, like, that person is more worthy or more, moral or more um just like superior in general and so it's like help us if we see christ as our life then we're freed up to experience his creation in a way that doesn't hinder us Mm -hmm. yeah and knowing that the source of life itself is christ Mm -hmm. is what ultimately brings great joy yeah the greatest joy really because like we've been saying over and over is crisis so much greater. Yeah. Nothing can actually it can provide temporary happiness. Mm-hmm. But the ultimate life itself that is not fading, it's not temporary is eternal life that we have in Christ. Where it's just such a joy to know that like it says in Revelation there will come a day where he will wipe away every tear. Mm-hmm. There will be no more pain, there will be no more suffering. We will not experience affliction. But I just think it's so important. Like that example I started with where in college I was just like, where are we talking about end times so much? Like, yeah. Let's just focus right now. We got other problems to deal with. That's not going to help me. But if anything, I feel like the Lord has really, through mentors and my pastors and my church community, I feel like I've really seen the importance of studying the word because actually mm-hmm. the more that I think about eternity it there are actual implications for the here and now it yeah. does impact the way that I live my day-to-day when I am focused on heaven mm-hmm. and the promise of God's presence forever so amen I think it's really easy to then all of that is true and amen but then you're like okay 
But this idea of abundance then, like, okay, (laughs) I get that it's not founded on those things, but also, what does he mean then? So we're just going to, like, look at that again, this truth that Jesus gives abundant life, and that does not, it's not just the absence of hell, but the presence of Christ. Just like Jesus is not merely a step away from stealing, killing, and destroying, but is so much greater than we can imagine. In the same way, he does not merely save us into a robotic existence outside of hell. He gives us life abundantly. And my study my study Bible really helped put this into perspective for me this week. Jesus' promise of abundant life which begins already in the here and now, brings to mind Old Testament prophecies about abundant blessing. Jesus calls his followers not to a dour, lifeless, miserable existence that squashes human potential, but to a rich, full, joyful life, one overflowing with meaningful activities under the personal favor and blessing of God and in continual fellowship with his people and so I think if you're struggling with where to start because you've realized through this conversation that you have idolized the things that don't matter for eternity start with meaningful activities start with the fellowship of the church the abundant life is going to include carrying your own cross it's going to include hard things But you also get the great joy of taking ownership of your life, grasping onto Christ and thinking like, what will matter (laughs) that I can do today, that I can do this week, that I can do this month, that when Christ returns, like I will, I will be seeing my life face to face because by prioritizing these things, whether it's doing your job with diligence or folding laundry or um, helping the single mom, whatever it is that like the Lord has laid on your heart. Um, And then just like diving deep into relationship with people in your, in your context and at your church um, and in your communities. I think, I know I struggle with what it practically looks like, And ultimately, this is what we are going to talk about on the Abundantly podcast for prayerfully years to come. So I'm not saying that is the end all be all, but I'm just saying like if you're feeling overwhelmed today by, oh, wow, I've been I've been imagining it this way or like my church shames me because I make a lot of money or my church shames me because I don't make any um, start with like being faithful with where you are. And cultivating the land, like literally or figuratively, um, and be a part of a church community and then work from there. Yeah. And I just, man, that's so good. I'm so glad that you shared that because I was reading recently about how in First Thessalonians it says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Yeah. Which... There's a lot of noise out there mm-hmm. through media and it just reminds me of what we already shared in Colossians about how our lives are hidden in Christ. Yeah. I think that would be interesting to talk about someday is how to live a quiet life but be a person on the internet. 
I think that would be really good because I kind of hold my breath a little bit because I love the idea of that verse, but my worldly interpretation, which I don't believe is like the full meaning and application is like, oh, I'm going to go homeschool my kids and like live in the country. (laughs) But like, it can look like more than that. And so I think that would be really interesting to like think on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because briefly, when I did a little bit more reading on it, Mm -hmm. um, love commentaries. For those that feel discouraged about, how do I study the Bible? Find some good commentaries from trusted theologians, and it makes a world of a difference. Because that verse in 1 Thessalonians says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands. So it's a three-part zinger right there. (laughs) That's some, like, whenever I read that, I'm like, oh, ouch. (laughs) But I think it's interesting how the context in that time period does address a lot of like gossip. So mm-hmm. that'll be a conversation. That'll be a whole series in itself for another time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to study, you know, how countercultural mm-hmm. those instructions are in, in the Bible for believers today. Mm-hmm. So. As we wrap up, I would love to just hear just an example from each of us briefly about how we have personally experienced Jesus and his salvific work in our lives, which salvific, I feel like I I just barely learned that like a year ago. My husband was in seminary and I was like, I literally one time was helping him he does not like writing and mm. always struggles and so he was like can you read my paper and just help me with grammar and i literally was like awesome that's a typo what does that mean and he goes no liz that's a theological term <laughs> I was like, i've never heard of that but anyway so for anyone who has never heard of it it just means the work of salvation mm-hmm. so that specific action in him mm. dying on the cross and resurrecting so how mm-hmm. how have we personally experienced the work of salvation in our own lives and yeah can you just share briefly with us emily of how christ saved you when did you become a believer um i'm really excited to to have this conversation because i don't think i've ever heard heard your story so um my parents became christians when i was a baby so when i was a baby they were baby christians um which is just a really like unique and sweet dynamic um I'm sure it led to a lot of challenges, too, because, like, I have siblings, so my siblings, like, experienced, like, a different childhood than I did, you know? Um, But, so, I was growing up in a Christian home, but it was, um, my, my mom was married once before, and so she shares with me that my first, like, my first signs of having separation anxiety, having anxiety in general, was we would take my brothers every other weekend to their dad's house, and, like, I would get sick, like, either the night before or, like, after dropping them off, um, and so I've kind of, like, had that separation anxiety (laughs) my whole life, um, in different ways, and for different reasons, and just because of the fall, too, um, but, when I, I was homeschooled and, um, I knew the gospel, but the thing that made everything click for me and everything come into focus, um, the lesson that the spirit just used to say, like, this is for you, 
um, my mom and I were doing a devotion before school, and um, it was a, and so I was seven, (laughs) and so, like, um, I still have the devotional, and it was, like, a really sweetly, like, cartoon-type devotional, and um, there was a devotional on the left page, and on the right page, there was a certificate of adoption, and if you chose to be a daughter of God, you can write your name, the date, um, and, you know, join, join the body of Christ, join the family of Christ, be adopted by God the Father, and that was just what the Spirit used to say, like, this is for you, and you belong you belong with me. You belong with the family of God. And so I accepted Christ on that November day, uh, right before school. And I wrote in my journal, like five minutes later, I got saved today and I'm going to Jenna's later. (laughs) I love that. Childlike faith. So precious. So I feel like I have a lot of stories about how like the Lord has given me life and sustained my soul um but that is that is when i joined the family of god i love that (laughs) i love that you remember i love that you journaled that i know (laughs) i got saved today the biggest thing that happened in my entire life oh yeah and i'm gonna go hang out with jenna tonight (laughs) (laughs) you're like priorities as a kid (laughs) basically like what this podcast is we're gonna talk about the most important things and the most trivial things silly yeah Yeah. oh I love that that's so sweet I wish I had like a journal where I do have journals of like sermon notes Mm -hmm. when I was probably like in middle school and high school which is really cute to see my like handwriting and Mm -hmm. just how I was so attentive like that's so precious (laughs) um yeah I I think it's really common for a lot of kids that are are taught at a really young age to go to church. Like that's like a that's a very normal rhythm in your life where that Sundays you go to church, you're probably there all day mm-hmm. and then there's like a midweek service, there's prayer meetings, there's events, there's VBS, the, there's all those types of things and I think it's really common for a lot of people. I used to I used to say this where when I was in high school, I'd be like, oh, I don't have a testimony because mm. I never did drugs or like <laughs> I, you know, like the most extreme examples. Totally. Um, yeah. Which is interesting because that, that kind of like very common, um, what am I trying to say? Like that very common, like perception of what a testimony is, is my dad's very own story. Like he mm. literally didn't know Christ. He you know, came to the U.S. when he was younger, like, as a teen on his own, and long story short for him is, I mean, he literally, like, ended up in jail, but, like, Mm -hmm. through going to a chapel service in, in prison, like, Mm -hmm. he was given a Bible, and he heard the gospel for the first time, so my story is, like, my story is completely different to that, and I used to think, like, Mm. that that was a bad thing but now I'm so grateful like praise God that I was exposed to the gospel at such an early age where I didn't have to experience Mm -hmm. that life of destruction Mm -hmm. and so I'm just so grateful that at a young age I was going to church my dad was a pastor for a long time and I also got to go to a Christian elementary school and so I was being taught the gospel day in and day out and 
I think I was also seven when I was saved and I got baptized shortly after that and my dad got to baptize me which is really sweet a sweet memory that I have with him and I think just like how you mentioned about this growing desire to be a part of the family of God Mm -hmm. I just have seen that theme a lot in my own life where I was saved at a really young age and then throughout my upbringing I just have brothers and I always wanted a sister (laughs) and I just like had this deep longing for acceptance and I just experienced a lot of rejection and Mm. I remember in high school was one of the loneliest seasons of my life where my family and I we moved to Mexico Mm. and I didn't speak the language language at the time I was just learning Spanish and I just remember like again being in a season of deeply wanting friendships and the Lord used that season of life I remember reading Jeremiah 29 and I had heard that verse often but it wasn't until like I read that entire chapter and Mm -hmm. it felt like I was reading it for the first time ever because the Holy Spirit just opened my eyes and I was able to actually understand and just to read the story of how the people of God were exiled you know, they were literally deported from their homeland to a foreign place. And I just remember feeling like as a high schooler, like, oh, I feel so alone. I wonder if they felt alone too. And I just remember thinking, mm-hmm. well, I'm not, in, I'm not in the place that makes me feel at home. And so I think the Lord really used that season of life, like you said, about being like an active member of the body of Christ. It was through that season of living in Mexico, my mom and I would commute every day across the border. I would go to Mm -hmm. high school in San Diego, California. She would go to work. She'd pick me up. We'd go home. We'd do it all over again. And it was like that Mm -hmm. for four or five years. And so, so I just got really involved at church. Mm -hmm. And I think it was in that season of life where it was almost like all of the distractions were stripped away. And I literally, there were so many evenings where I would just like open my Bible and I was learning how to play music and I would just play guitar for hours and learn worship songs. And it was like in that season where I I really believe that I was already saved at a younger age, but it was in that season where I think it was like the first time where I was experiencing the intimacy of knowing Christ. Yeah. Truly as a friend and experiencing God as my father. Mm-hmm. And, knowing that all these years of feeling like rejected or lonely or feeling like an outsider struggling with identity Mm because what teenager doesn't Mm -hmm. you know what young adult doesn't and so I just found great joy in having a relationship with the Lord and also being a part of the family of God Mm -hmm. and so uh, so good Mm -hmm. I love that I'm excited to continue this series so much greater we'll look at how the enemy how he comes to steal kill and destroy but jesus came to give life redeem and restore today we talked about how jesus gives life how he revives us it's not a matter of he just makes our life better but he literally we were once spiritually dead Mm -hmm. in our trespasses in our sins and he gave us life Mm -hmm. he saved us and so Next time, we're going to share all about how Jesus redeems. What does that mean? How does that truth impact the way we live and love? And so much more. Friends, I'm going to read Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. May we remember that this is not for ourselves, the abundantly 
more than we can ask or think is for the kingdom of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.